Sir Rector. I'm the Thatcher. I spoke to you outside London Stadium. Oh, yes, I remember. Is this the boy? Well, step forward, sir. Let me have a look at you. Careful with that, Roland! Are you afraid of me, boy? But most of your teeth. Show me your arm. You got a strong arm? Well, he's a half starved little scarecrow. But he's got spirit. show you a great wide world full of adventure and marvels that you do not yet dream of. Can you pack my horse, lead it? Hmm? Well, come on, say goodbye to your father. Let's get started. It's a real night, William. Watch and learn all you can. stars and live a better life than I have. Roland, show the boy his duties. Father, I'm afraid. Of what? I won't know the way back home. Don't be foolish, William. You just follow your feet. First time I watched this movie and I heard that follow your feet, I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that was before I understood the principle that I'm going to talk to you about today. And it's something that William's dad understood. It's called the principle of the path. And, and William's dad understood that if, if William followed his path, his dad's path, he would end up exactly where the dad had ended up. So the dad didn't want him to do that, so he put him on another path. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the principle of the path. To help you understand this principle, I'm going to just briefly reference another movie that I think most of you know about. It's called The Wizard of Oz. Anybody heard that one? Dorothy desperately wants to go home. She meets the good witch. The good witch says, well, you got to talk to the wizard. Well, how do I find the wizard? And it's so simple. What was the instruction that she had to follow? Follow the yellow. Y'all are good. I had one person in the early service. Uh, Follow the yellow brick road. It was so simple. Now, when she followed that road, was it always easy? Were there obstacles along the way? But when she followed the yellow brick road, where did it lead her? To the wizard. Now, my question, this idea of the principle of the path, my question for you today is, did the yellow brick road lead to the wizard only for Dorothy? In other words, if you had been on the yellow brick road, where would it have taken you? To the wizard. If Saddam Hussein had been on the yellow brick road, where would it have taken him? If Jesus Christ had been on the yellow brick road, where would it have taken him? 
The principle of the path says that the road uh, you are on determines where you end up. And that's true of every highway, driveway, pathway. It leads where it leads regardless of who's on it. You with me so far? Now, what if I could tell you, what if I were to tell you that there is a yellow brick road to lead you where you want to go relationally? What if I were to tell you there's a, there's a yellow brick road that leads you where you want to go financially, academically? Some of you are like, yeah, let me on that road. If there really was a, a road that led you where you wanted to go, would you want to know about it? Three people. Five. All right. Well, here's, here's the deal. If there's a road, here's the thing. If there's a road that leads where you want to go relationally, financially, spiritually, um, academically, you need to stop looking for solutions to your problems and you need to start looking for the right path. You didn't get lost overnight. You don't get unlost overnight. We'll talk more about that in just a second. You need to look for the right path. Now, in this next scene, William, um, who is one of the servants, William... um, decides to do something that kind of changes the whole trajectory of the movie. The, his knight, Sir Ector, has died while winning the joust. But if he doesn't get back in the arena and continue the jousting, he'll forfeit the winnings. And, and William and, and his um, friends, they are set on the, the, the winnings from this. They, they're set on the, the getting the prize so that they can buy food because they're starving. So um, I want you to watch this and, and watch the path that he decides to take. What's your name, William? I'm asking you, William Thatcher, to answer me with your name. It's not Sir William, it's not Count or Duke or Earl William, it's certainly not King William. I'm aware of that. You have to be of noble birth to compete. A detail. The landscape is food. Do you want to eat or don't you? If the nobles find out who you are, they'll be the devil to pay. And pray that they don't.
The score stands at three lances to none in favor of Sir Hector. Lord Philip of Aragon, stand you ready. Sir Hector, stand you ready. Ready? Of course, I have tilted against Sir Hector many times, you know. In practice, this is his target. You'll never allow to strike him. Badger me not with details. Landscape, then. Stay on the horse. He needs three points to beat you, so a broken lance won't win it for him. He has to knock you off the horse. I know how to score, Roland. I've waited my whole life for this moment. So I have to be honest. The first time Janie and I watched this movie and it started in with rock and roll and it was back in medieval times, I said, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I turned it off. We couldn't watch it because we were just so confused. It's like, the, you know, the time, the, the world's colliding. Well, then somebody said, no, 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 you got to watch it. You got to have a, a different perspective. And so now it's one of our favorite movies. I can't tell you how many times we've watched it. Um, but, but we love this movie. Now, here's the deal. William came to a fork in the road. Instead of whining and complaining about where he was, he chose a path. He made a decision. So let me just say this to you today. If you are in a place where you don't want to be, if you find yourself in less than ideal circumstances, you don't need a solution today, you need direction. Here, let me give you this, this example. If you're lost, what you, you don't need a solution for being lost. You need the right direction to get unlost. Now, if you're, if you've gotten lost many times, if you hadn't taken too many turns, whether it's on a pathway or whether you're driving or whatever, you can retrace your steps and get to the right place. If you know the direction you need to go. The problem though is when you have gotten lost in a marriage, you can't just retrace your steps. The problem is when you've gotten lost financially, you can't just retrace your steps and get unlost overnight. You need a direction to go. And so there are two things that, that you need to get from where you want to be, where you, where you are to where you want to be, where you don't want to be to where you want to be. Two things are needed, time and change of direction. You're not going to get unlost overnight. Now, as a general rule, cars have problems that can be fixed. I said as a general rule, some of your cars can't be fixed. Computers can have problems that can be fixed most of the time. But usually people have directions that need to be changed. People don't need to be fixed. They need directions to change. How'd you get where you are today? It was a series of choices that took you down a series of pathways that led you to where you are today financially, how did you get where you are today is a series of choices took you down a series of pathways that led where you are. And besides being flat broke, do you know how, how to tell if, if you went down the wrong pathway financially, besides being flat broke, it's if you look and see someone else about to go down that road and you know exactly where that path is going to lead because you've been there, you know, you went down the wrong path. The path leads where it leads, regardless of who's on it. You went down that path, you know where they're going to end up. This is true in marriages, it's true in churches spiritually. This idea of the path, it leads where it's going to go. If you're on that path, you will reach that destination. Now, in this next scene, William is trying to convince his friends that they need to try a new path. And, and here's the thing, Walt, um, the redheaded guy, he's going to say at one point, he's going to say, you're going the wrong way. You're going to have people that when you're on the wrong path, say, just, just keep doing this. And then you're going to hear the, the still small voice of God say, you know, it's time to get off this path and get on another one. And you have to decide, are you going to, are you going to try to please the people who want to keep you going the wrong way? Or are you going to try to please your heavenly father? Watch this. We could do this. Yeah, we've done it, boy. That's silver in your hand. No, I mean, we can do this. We can be champions. Give us your coins. 
Well, now, come on, give me your coins. Right. Right, now that's one for you. And one for you. Which leaves 13. That's 13 for training and outfitting. Now, the tournament in Rouen is in a month from now. In one month, we could split a prize bigger than this one. In one month, we could be on our way to glory and riches none of us ever dreamed of. In one month, we could be laid in a ditch with Sir Hector. I don't want glory and riches, William. I just want to go home. Tansy cakes with peppermint cream. Dilled veal balls with squash fritters. I'll take my five now. you can't even joust. Well, most of it is the guts to take a blow, to strike one. Guts I have. And technique? I have a month to learn that. Besides, the sword. Name a man better with the sword than I. In the practice ring. You're not of noble birth. Well, so we lie. How did the nobles become noble in the first place, huh? They took it at the tip of a sword. I'll do it with a lance. A blunted lance? Oh, no matter what, a man can change his stars. And I won't spend the rest of my life as nothing. That is nothing. And nothing is right where glory will take us. We're the sons of peasants. Glory and riches and stars are beyond our grasp, but a full stomach, that dream can come true. If you can take your coins, go to England, eat cake. But if you can't, you come with me. You see, money doesn't matter. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Please. Thirteen silver pieces. Three men can change their stars. God love you, William. <laughs> I know, I know. No one else will. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's another rock and roll song for you. Uh, it'll confuse you if you're not ready for it. Now, these guys were in a terrible place. They had enough money to last a few days, but nothing, no future. And, and so William had said, he said, I won't be nothing. My life won't end up as nothing. And he knew if they continued on the path, it was going to lead to poverty. It was going to lead to nothing. So he challenges his friends, let's change paths and let's end up at a different destination. I'm glad they did because if, he, if they hadn't chosen to go with him, the movie would have been over in 15 minutes. It's been a boring, dumb movie to watch. Now... What I want you to understand today is the path that a lot of you are on, it's a boring path because you just keep doing the same thing and you keep ending up in the same destination. Maybe different people, maybe different verses, same song, you keep ending up at the same place and then you're like, ah, this next time will be different and you keep ending up at the same place. It could be relationships. If you go find people in the wrong places, you're probably going to end up in the wrong places. Financially, if you keep doing the same things you've been doing, you're going to keep ending up where you are. You're in this cycle and my challenge to you today is why don't you change pathways? Why don't you quit walking down the dumb pathway. Let's just call it what it is. That's a dumb pathway. 
and let's get on a better pathway. God has given us a lot of instructions. I'm going to give you a couple of verses about pathways and you need to determine which one of these you're on. First one is from Proverbs 12:28, and it says this, the way of the godly leads to life. The path that does, the path does not lead to death. That path does not lead to death. So what he's saying is following Christ leads to eternal life, even though you will probably die physically. And I say probably die because we don't know when Jesus is going to come back. He could come back today. He could come back next week. Janie and I were kind of praying that he would come back when we were on the Mount of Olives in Israel because we thought, wouldn't that be cool? She was reading Zechariah and Zechariah says he's going to come back to the Mount of Olives. It's going to split in two. And we're like, dude, we want to see that. Come on. You know, didn't work. Um, but maybe in two years, we're going to go back in two years. So if you, if you guys want to come with us and we can pray that, that it'll come then. But the point is you don't know when he's going to come. So you're probably going to die physically, but you don't have to die spiritually if you're a follower of Christ. That's what Jesus was talking about. I, I did a funeral on, on Thursday. And one of the things that, that I included in that was Jesus' conversation with Martha, who was Lazarus' sister. You remember that, that Lazarus was sick for, for several days, then he dies. Jesus delays. He doesn't come. He finds out that Lazarus is sick. He comes after he has died and, and he comes to, to Martha. She runs out to meet him outside the town and she says, Jesus, where were you? You could have done something. Look how he responds in John eleven twenty five. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And then this next verse is what I have highlighted. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. This is the most one of the, if not the most outrageous claims that Jesus Christ ever made. He's saying, even if you die physically, there is spiritual life on the other side of death. No other founder of any other world religion made this claim. And then look what he says. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? What he's saying is, I have power over this thing called death. And I'm about to prove it to you. The reason he stayed so that, that Lazarus was, would die was so that he could show his power over death. And so he said, I'm about to prove it to you by raising Lazarus from the dead. And then he says, I am going to blow you away when I give up my own life and I come back from that death never to die again. If you're a follower of Jesus, you live even though you die physically. It's what gives me comfort when I do a funeral. And I spend the rest of the time talking about how you can meet that person again if you are a follower of Christ. Because if Jesus' tomb is empty, his followers said it was empty, his enemies said it was empty, the enemies of his enemies said his tomb was empty, I would come to the conclusion that it's empty. And if it's empty and he is alive, then everybody who, will follow, who has followed him, we will also be resurrected to life. That's what he was saying. There is a path that leads to life. But Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, this is the, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, very few find the road to life, the pathway to life. He said, a lot of people are on this other path. And this is Proverbs fourteen twelve. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in what? death. Okay. So there, there's a path that leads to life where you never die. There's a path that leads to death. One path leads to life. One path leads to death. The path leads where it leads, no matter who's on it. And looking back on your life, you can see that certain paths led to certain destinations. And you know that if other people choose those same paths, they're going to end up exactly where you did. What we want to do is we want to learn to, to leverage the principle of the path for the future. If there is a path to life, the scripture says there is, then let's choose that path. There is a path to, to marital happiness, satisfaction. Let's choose that path. There is a path, according to Scripture and according to Dave Ramsey, who follows Scripture and teaches Scripture, there is a path to financial security. Why don't we choose that path? Does this make sense to anyone?
Yes, not very convinced. All right, we'll keep going. Here's what you need. Direction, not good intentions, determines our destination. Because when I, when I do, I did some premarital counseling yesterday. I'm doing the, a couple's wedding. Actually, I got several weddings coming up this fall. Um, and, and what I tell them is there is a path that leads to happiness uh, in marriage, but you have to do it God's way. If you go out from under God's authority, then he's not obligated to do anything to help your marriage. But if you're under God's authority, he'll do all kinds of things to help you. So there is a path that leads to happy marriage. The problem is a lot of people don't, don't follow that path. And so I do a lot of counseling right before people divorce. They don't even like each other. And I told this couple yesterday, I said, my goal is I want to give you tools so that you know how to, how to meet each other's needs so that you like each other. Cause people who like each other don't divorce. And they kind of laughed and I said, makes sense, doesn't it? I like my wife. I'm not leaving. Even when I get mad at her, sometimes I'll reach over and grab her hand when we're laying there in bed and I'll say, I'm never leaving. Except I'm dying first. That's, that's a given. <laughs> but, but other than that, I'm not leaving. There is a path that leads to, to happiness. So good intentions, everybody stands at the altar and says, oh, I promise to love you and I promise better for worse. And then a little worse happens and they walk away. They had good intentions, but the direction of their marriage was not towards happiness. In fact, I think that a lot of the people that end up divorced, they're not even on the same path. You get in a boat. Have you ever been in a canoe with somebody who didn't want to go where you wanted to go? That's a marriage where people are, are not working towards the same goal. And I've told you this before. I was with a bunch of youth years ago, and, and me and my buddy, we were in this canoe, and we're just cruising, having a good time. We turn around, we can't see anybody in our youth group. We're like, oh, we should stop. So we stop, and it's, it's, it's an hour. I'm not kidding. There were two seventh-grade girls. It was an hour before they got back. Got to where we were and we're like, dude, we cannot, we can't do this. So he put one in his boat and I put one in my boat and we took off. His girl was so bad. He finally said, quit, quit rowing. You're killing me. Just lay there. She's like, okay. Yeah. So she just gets some sun and he's paddling. He's like, this girl sucks. (laughs) I said, I'm glad you got her. (laughs) But what we did when they came around the corner, we could see them. I'm not joking. The river goes like this. Mostly. They, they start going over here and they'll go until it's shallow enough that they can put their oars down on the bottom to turn the boat where they needed to go. Then they would go to the other side and we're going, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. We're never getting to our destination because they don't know how to work together. That's a marriage where you're not on the same path. When you're just doing this trash, instead of both of you looking towards the goal, if both of you are working towards the goal, you like each other and you make it to the goal. There is a path. Good intentions aren't enough to, to, for a happy marriage. Good intentions are not enough for financial security. Good intentions are not enough for, for a lot of stuff. In this next scene, um, William has been hit in the head. And I laugh because he has a flashback. Anyway, sorry. He gets hit in the head during the joust. And he has a flashback to something his father says. And in this scene, the villain shows up. Have you noticed there's always a villain in movies? You know, it kind of creates interest. There's also a villain in your life. In this scene, William's going to have to decide, is he going to listen to what his daddy told him or is he going to listen to the villain? Same, it's the same choice you make all the time. Watch this and then we'll talk about it.
someday I'll be a knight. <laughs> a thatcher's son? A knight? You might as well try to change the stars. <laughs> Can it be done, Father? Can a man change the stars? Yes, William. He believes enough a man can do anything. Gain more bearing, Ulrich. See me again when you're worthy. Well done, my lord. Noble victory. The lady, I believe this is yours. For long spear on foot. Pandolfo Malatesta. For sword on foot, Ulrich von Lichtenstein. And finally, for the mounted joust and tournament champion, Adamar Count of Anjou. Champions! Next time I face you, Count Adamar, you look up at me from the flat of your back. Please. You have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting. It just can't get any worse for our hero. The villain shows up, beats him in the joust, humiliates him, and then tries to steal his girl. Does it get any worse than that? That's, that's what's going on. And William has a choice to make. Is he going to listen to the words of his father? His father said, you can change your stars. This, this villain shows up and said, you've been weighed, you've been measured, you've been found wanting. Which one is it? See, the, the deal is many of you listen to the villain in your life all the time. There is an enemy of God, and he wants to tell you that you're worthless, that, that you're a failure, that you'll never amount to anything. And some of you listen to him. But here's what I want you to do. When, whenever he accuses you of things, don't argue with him. Just go to the scripture. Go to the truth. And here's what God said through Paul to the Romans in, in Romans 8.15. He says this. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. We're singing the, the song next week, No Longer Slaves, and it says, we're no longer slaves to fear, we're a child of God. Your name has been changed to child of God, so you don't have to live in that. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. If you've been adopted into God's family, you get to call God, the creator of the universe, your dad, and that's a huge thing. It means that, that his house, his inheritance is your inheritance after you die. It also means that his enemies are your enemies, and, and people who are children of the king don't worry a whole lot about their enemies. They just let the king take care of it. The villain's going to come along. He's going to say, you've been weighed, you've been measured, you've been found wanting. And that is so true before I was adopted into the kingdom, before you were adopted, before we were adopted, we were nothing, but now we have everything that Christ has. Dude, when he messes with you, you say, dude, do you know my dad? My dad's the king. 
Years ago, um, my kids went on a trip to Six Flags and there was a youth minister who took them and, and the youth minister was, was trying to get a, across the point that you need to be at a certain place at a certain time. And he kept saying, I will leave you. I will leave you. Even if you're walking up and I'm driving off, I will leave you. I will leave you. Now, Rachel is very, very compliant. Rachel's a good kid and, and she's always on time. She's where she needs to be when she's supposed to be. She's very, very obedient. And, and she was sitting there and she was going, dude. You won't leave me. Do you know my dad? She, in her mind, do you know my dad's your boss? My dad will fire you if you leave me here. Now, she also knows that if she's not where she needs to be, I'm all right with somebody leaving her, but if she's where she needs to be, and, and so she would never have said that, but she did tell me that. And there was even somebody else in the group. There was some younger girl who was worried about getting left, and Rachel's like, he's not leaving us. Do you know my dad? When Satan comes and accuses you and says all these things about you, don't argue. Just say, my dad's the king. Take it up with him. Now, in this last scene, this is my favorite scene. William has been living the life of an an imposter. He's living a lie and he gets caught and he faces a lifetime of punishment until someone changes his name. Coolest scene in the movie. Leave, Roland. Let them have me. God love you, William. So do I. We're in trouble. Listen to me! trying to hide who we are, both unable to do so. Your men love you. If I knew nothing else about you, that would be enough. But you also tilt when you should withdraw. Is nightly too. Release him. You may appear to be of humble origins, but my personal historians have discovered that he is descendant from an ancient royal line. This is my word. And as such is beyond contestation. If I may repay the kindness you once showed me. Take a knee. 
Is here. I dub thee Sir William. Arise, Sir William. just so much spiritual significance in that in that scene uh he has to he has to kneel before the son of the king in order to have his name changed and and you don't you don't come into god's presence and demand that he save you that's prideful and god does god's not obligated to forgive you you don't get to go out and commit sin and say god you have to forgive me now or even say god you have to forgive me before you go commit the sin no 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 the bible says that god opposes the proud he is against proud people but he gives grace to the humble so when you come and you kneel you bow before him and you say i'm not good enough please apply what your son did on my behalf your son showed up offered me salvation offered me forgiveness of sins and i accept that you do that on your knees when we went to Bethlehem, when you go into where uh, Jesus was supposedly born, you have, to, you have to actually bow down a little bit to go through the door. And that's symbolic of you don't come into the kingdom. You don't get to see the birthplace of the king unless you bow, unless you ask for forgiveness of sins. And the really cool thing is when you do that, he changes your name. So the accuser can say what he wants to about you, but your name has been changed. When in Celebrate Recovery, we talk about I'm, I'm, I'm a grateful believer in Christ who struggles with and whatever your struggle is, your identity is in Christ. It's not with adultery. It's not with drugs. It's not with porn. It's, it's Christian who may struggle with a few things, but my identity is Christ. Your identity is Christ. He changes your name. And then here's the really cool thing. A few weeks ago, I talked to you about this. I said that, that uh, this was in the Twisting the Truth series. In the beginning, everything was perfect. Sin entered the world. In the end, everything will be restored to perfection. But in the meantime, you and I are living in the meantime is a bad time. Christ said you're going to have trouble. Even though your name has been changed, you're going to have trouble. Christ had trouble. If I follow him, I'm going to have trouble. But this world isn't all there is. In the meantime, we, we pay attention to the truth of God's word. Here's what it says in Revelation about the accuser. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Here it is. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters have been thrown down to earth. There is an enemy who accuses you and says you've been weighed, you've been measured, you've been found wanting. That's true before Christ. But it's no longer true if I'm in the kingdom. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. There's two pathways to defeat the accuser. Number one is a pathway to the cross where you kneel and you say, God, apply Jesus' blood to me. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Path one is to the cross. Path two is they defeat him with the, the testimony. 
by their testimony. That means the story of me walking, walking with and following Jesus Christ every day. I'm building this testimony of, of how God has, has delivered me. And I want as many other people to know about deliverance as possible. You have a testimony. You defeat him two pathways, the path to the cross and the path of walking with Christ. Get on that path. Last week we talked about, you need to go into strict training. If you're going to look like Jesus, there's some choices that you need to make today. So I want you to bow your heads for just a minute. I want to ask you this. This is what I want you to pray before God right now and ask him to show you what it is. As I've been talking to you today about the wrong path, some of you realize there's an area of your life where you are repeatedly on the wrong path. It could be relationally, it could be financially, it could be spiritually, whatever it is. Academically, there's, there's some way that you have been straying off the path. What is it? And you ask God, would you show me? You probably already know, but ask God, what is it? Where have I been straying and getting on the wrong path? The second question is, what are you going to do about it? You know where the path leads. Are you going to stay on it or are you going to choose to go to another path? Sure, it may be hard. There'll be people telling you, don't leave that path. But your heavenly father who has changed your name says, follow me. Are you ready? Just tell him yes or no. Father, make us a people who, who understand this principle of the path. Make us a people who, who pursue healthy relationships in our marriage and our families. Help us pursue healthy finances. Help us pursue the right things when we go to work so that other people see our witness and they glorify our heavenly Father. We pray in your name. Amen.